This is the Practical Teaching Tips Podcast. I am your host, Richard James Rogers, high school science and chemistry teacher and author of the award-winning book, The Quick Guide to Classroom Management. Well, hello, everybody, and welcome to today's episode on the Practical Teaching Tips podcast. I am, as always, your host, Richard James Rogers, and today I want to discuss some ways in which we as teachers can get to know and start building relationships with our new students. Now, if you're listening to this uh, when the episode is published, um, which for me is towards the uh, latter half of the summer holidays, you might be thinking, oh, I don't want to be thinking about the new academic year now. I'm still on my holiday. And what I would, if that is you, what I would say is um, enjoy your holiday. But also, I do think it is important um, as teachers that we spend some of our summer holidays preparing for the new academic year and certainly in my 16 years now of being a high school uh, chemistry teacher and science teacher I've found that a little bit of time in the holidays invested in preparing for the new academic year or a new semester or a new term or a new half term can really pay dividends um, and can really help solve problems and help to prevent and um, alleviate any potential headaches that could happen in the new academic year or or when you go back to school. So I do hope that today's episode is going to help everybody who listens to, um, first of all, get to know new students. Secondly, to build rapport and build professional relationships with those students. And also to alleviate any issues that could come up further down the road, such as poor academic performance, poor progress, or, or even behavior management issues. So it's, it sounds as though you might be thinking that this is a pretty important topic, and I think it is, because relationships are really um, the nuts and bolts fundamentals of what we do as teachers. Um, and I think, unfortunately, there is a focus and an emphasis um, that is too heavy that is placed on um, teaching techniques and the pedagogy that we're applying in the classroom. And there isn't enough of a focus in the teaching profession, I believe, on building those professional relationships with our students. And I'll tell you why I think the relationships are just as important, if not sometimes more important actually than the teaching techniques that are used in the classroom. And that is because quite simply, if a student doesn't like you, or a student doesn't feel comfortable to work with you, or doesn't feel comfortable to approach you, or doesn't respect you, which is a big factor in student engagement, then um, that student oftentimes will not perform as well as if they did have respect for you and they 
did feel as though they could approach you and they, they did enjoy working with you and they did like you. And unfortunately, that is the, um, the blunt truth. Sometimes our students don't like us. And getting students on our side and getting them to like us is an important part of the job. Now, I already know the alarm bells that are ringing in some people's minds as you listen to that, because I know that there'll be some people listening to this thinking, well, hang on a minute. I'm the teacher. It's not my job to make the students like me. It's my job to teach the students, right? And of course, there's that old classic, well, if I, if I don't give the students any homework all year, they'll love me. And I think that's a really facetious way to look at things, and it's it's not the truth, and it's not accurate. In my experience, students like teachers who are professional, who are vigilant, who deliver the material properly, who do give homework, and who do give feedback on the homework, and who they therefore respect, because the teacher is actually putting in good effort and... Um, is, is taking a genuine interest in the lives of each student and is trying their best to help each student. So I, I don't um, accept this, um, this kind of uh, urban myth that teachers who don't give their students work to do are the teachers who are liked by their students because in my experience, that's actually not the case at all. In fact, the teachers who... Um, should I use this word? I guess I will. The teachers who are the laziest, I guess, in terms of um, handing out homework, in terms of delivering content, the teachers who are the most easygoing actually tend to be the ones who are, are not respected as much by the students and are not liked as much by students because the majority of our students do actually want to learn and they do actually want to have a positive experience at school. And, um, you know, you, we might not believe that sometimes. Um, I've worked with many students in the past who've come to school and they've just wanted to be disruptive or they've, they've just not connected in some way or they've not, um, they've not been able to access material. There's a lot of peer pressure going on. They want to fit in with the crowd. They want to look like the cool kid in the class. Sometimes there's a persona that someone brings to a classroom as well, that a child brings to a classroom, particularly if they've grown up in a rough community. Um, I've taught students who've, uh, you know, been raised in, in some of the, um, the most economically deprived areas of the UK. Um, and there's, there's a subculture in some of those communities where, um, you know, the, the men have to be really tough and really rough really hard, as we would say in the UK, um, and they have to put on a front, you know, and that they have to kind of, um, they have to be this kind of tough guy and this rebel, and they bring that mentality with them to school sometimes, um, and, you know, it's not just boys, but there's, it, you know, it happens to girls as well uh, in those communities. They, they can bring with them the problems from from their communities to school. But I found with even the most disruptive students, and, and this is my experience speaking now, and I do believe it's accurate, even with the most disruptive students, if you can capture their interest, and if you can 
show them that you respect them and you appreciate who they are and you accept them for who they are. You don't accept their behavior necessarily, but you accept them for who they are and you want to help them and you do deliver interesting lessons. You can actually connect with even the most disruptive students. Um, and I've had this happen in my experience many, many times. I've had students who have been given to me, I've taken over a new teacher, for example, and I've been warned about students. I've been warned, you know, do not confront this student under any circumstances. This student has these issues, be aware. And I've just got on with my job as normal. I've, um, you know, taught as best as I could. I've planned as well as I could. And, and these students oftentimes have been little angels in my classes. Um, and I know that sounds like I'm bragging and I'm boasting. And, and I do feel very proud of those moments in my teaching career. But I don't believe I've actually done anything that is revolutionary or... Um, difficult to accomplish for teachers um, and I'm going to go through today the strategies that I use to get to know my new students and a good professional relationship with any student is built in those first few weeks the f at least the foundations anyway are built in those first few weeks of meeting that student and teaching that student and those are crucial those first few weeks because it will it will set the stage and set the precedent for the rest of the academic year and many years to come after that and that's another thing i want to say everybody um we have to remember to be patient with our students and unfortunately most schools have in place assessment and um, targeting systems which don't take into account the fact that many students take several years to come to fruition and to really blossom and to um, and to really kind of wake up I guess you know there is that moment of clarity for a lot of students where they may have spent years just plodding along getting average grades. Sometimes there are students who spend years below average and then all of a sudden there's like this spark that, that goes off in their brains and their attitude changes and their focus changes and they start really accomplishing some big things at school. So it's, um, it's really important that we do focus as teachers on these professional relationships just as much as we focus on the teaching techniques because the professional relationships we build with our students are really the kind of um the kind of um i guess tools that we can use for that long-term long-term success of that student and the, and the long-term what I'll explain in a moment, the long-term subtle reinforcement of the student's character to help um, him or her come into fruition. So um, what I'm going to do, everybody, is I'm going to read to you um, a blog post, which is available on my blog for teachers, my very popular blog for teachers now, uh, which is at richardjamesrogers.com. Once again, it's richardjamesrogers.com. Please do check out my blog for teachers because there's hundreds and hundreds of blog posts on there 
um, which of course are all free to access and, and they cover almost every aspect of classroom management um, and behavior management and assessment and all things teaching on there. And, and I share a lot of my wisdom there as well. And a lot of guest bloggers come onto the site and, and write for me as well. So anyway, this, this blog post is called um, Getting to Know Your New Students, Tips That Actually Work. I originally wrote this blog post in 2017, um, but I updated it last year in June 2021. So I'm going to read the blog post to you now. Enjoy. And at the end, I'll, I'll add a few extra golden nuggets as well. So here we go. The first few weeks of a new academic year can be really challenging, not least because you'll have a lot of new names to remember. Whether you're a new teacher working in a completely new school, or whether you're simply rolling into a new academic year with new classes to teach, this article will help you. Strategy one, gather intelligence. Knowing your students on a deep level is a fundamental principle of rapport building. You need to know all of your students' dreams and aspirations, strengths and weaknesses and other relevant information, such as issues at home or special educational needs. This kind of knowledge or intelligence can even be used to inform your lesson planning. See the examples I included in my book, and Angela Watson's great Cornerstone for Teachers site. And if you go to the, the blog post, everybody, the actual blog post I'm reading, there are links to both my book for teachers, my best-selling um, debut book for teachers, uh, which is called The Quick Guide to Classroom Management, 45 Secrets That All High School Teachers Need to Know. So once again, that's The Quick Guide to Classroom Management, 45 Secrets That All High School Teachers Need to Know. And that's an award-winning, best-selling book. It's a very popular book. Um, and it's very blunt. It's very direct. It's very straight to the point. Um, so see that book if, if you want more information on that. The link is in the blog post. And I wrote a guest blog post as well um, for Angela Watson, who's also a very famous educator. Um, at her Cornerstone for Teachers site, and the link is, is in the blog post, which is in the episode description. Um, let me carry on with the blog post. Unfortunately, however, few teachers truly utilize the power of professional intelligence gathering. The best way I've found to gather such intelligence is by getting a fresh notebook and setting a page aside for each student you teach. On each page, write down important but not confidential information about each student. For example, the ECAs they do, their career goals, subject area strengths, competitions they're entering or have won, etc. The information you gather can be used to, number one, inform lesson planning so that content is made more relevant to individual students and the group than it normally would be. Number two, trigger conversations in leisurely school settings, such as at the lunch queue, when you're on duty, or when you're supporting students in a mentoring or pastoral role. 
Number three, provide fuel for you to reinforce the credibility and brilliance of the student's personal goals so that a hypnotic rhythm of focus empowers each student to fulfill their goals and their potential. And also, everybody, this, this professional intelligence that you gather, this information, of course, you can gather that and store that digitally as well, which, which will oftentimes be more secure. So, for example, on a Google Doc, um, on a, um, a Word document you might have, maybe a Google Sheet or an Excel spreadsheet, and you can write down all this information about your students as you learn that information. Um, during the academic year and, and read over that information regularly to remind yourself of what your students are doing in their lives, what they're involved in, what their strengths are, their weaknesses are. And then you use that to connect with your students. Strategy number two, marking. In your first few weeks, it might be a good idea to get a lot of marking done, especially for your new students. Now, you might be thinking, oh, no, really? I've got to do marking. I've got to do lots of marking in my first few weeks at school. Um, I know everybody that as teachers, marking is not an easy job. I know that most teachers don't enjoy doing it. I certainly find it a challenge sometimes, even to this day, after 16 years. Um, but, but... It is a very effective way to not only provide feedback, but actually also build rapport and professional relationships with your students. And I'm, I'm going to explain why now. Whilst you might normally do peer assessment, self-assessment and automated assessment tasks throughout the main body of the academic year, it is worth spending a bit of extra time at the beginning of the year to do traditional teacher-led red pen on paper marking, or green pen, whatever colour you wish to use. Benefits of this strategy include, number one, you'll get to know the writing, presentation and artistic styles of your new students really quickly. Number two, checking through the students' books and homework yourself is one way to quickly memorise new names. And number three, it allows opportunity to provide written and verbal praise which helps you to build rapport. My head of science recently started a science stars notice board at school. Every few weeks the science teachers pin up some examples of beautiful work. What a great way to celebrate the success of your new students whilst getting to know them and build rapport with them at the same time. Now what I'm going to read to you, everybody, now is my comment on a student's piece of work, a student's chemistry work, which is um, on uh, an image, a photograph, which I've put in the blog post. So I'm just going to describe the photograph to you. It's, it's a page out of a student's notebook, um, and the student has made some notes about um, acids and bases and um, chemical reactions. And this is my comment. Well done for writing down all of the information accurately and for correctly identifying the conjugate acid-base pairs. Mr. Rogers, and I've given the date there, which was the 30th of August, 2017. Now, the reason that that comment is particularly good for building a relationship with that student is because 
I've been very, very specific in my feedback. I've said, well done for. I haven't just said, well done, I've, or great work, or excellent, something like that. Um, and I know that this is kind of a basic, this is, this is stuff that teachers know that we're supposed to give specific feedback. Sometimes, however, you know, it, it is okay to, I think, to say just excellent, great work, well done, um, nice work, you know, these little comments on student work from time to time. I don't see a problem with that. But where possible, when we have time, particularly at the beginning of an academic year, it is good to reinforce these positive behaviours by being very specific. So I've said in my comment, I'll read it to you again, well done for writing down all of the information accurately. So I've congratulated and praised the student for including detail in their work, which is something I want that student to do every time. And carrying on with the comment, and for correctly identifying the conjugate acid-base pairs. And there I've been very specific to the topic the student has um, studied. That's going to reinforce and um, embed the knowledge inside that student's long-term memory when they read that comment. And also when I discuss verbally the work with the student on top of that, but also, um, I've identified a skill that the student's done. They've correctly identified something that's happening in a chemical reaction, which is a skill that that student is going to have to use over and over and over again in the future in their chemistry classes. So that's why I've been very specific in my feedback. Um, and of course, it also reinforces my relationship with that student. Okay, strategy three, contact parents. If you are a form tutor or homeroom teacher, this one is really important, but it can be used by any subject teacher too. In the first few weeks of school, it can be a good idea to contact parents to let them know how their child is getting on or how their children are getting on. I found that telephone calls work best as well as face-to-face -face conversations, as both of these methods involve a relaxed sense of dialogue that's not normally available through methods such as email. Benefits of this strategy include, number one, extra intelligence, such as the student's approach to homework in their real home environment can be gathered. Number two, it puts the parents at ease and reassures them. Number three, it can be used as a motivational tool for your new students. If you've passed on praise to their parents, then they will feel happy and they will know that mum or dad is only a phone call away as well, which is also important to, um, to reinforce. And number four, it can preempt a settling in parents evening, providing common ground and information before a face-to-face -face meeting. Now, I've, I've used this strategy many times in the past, and um, it does work. It does work. Now, I know that it's, it's not realistic or practical to contact every single parent of every student you teach, unless perhaps you're in the primary school and you see the same kids every day and you teach the same 
you know, 20 to, to 35 kids every day, perhaps. That, that's different. But if you're in the high school um, or, or, you know, middle school, secondary school, and you're, you know, you've got over 100 different students that you're teaching, uh, maybe more than 200 every week, um, then, you know, it's it's not realistic to phone every parent and give them an update on how their kid is doing. But it is particularly useful for students who have a history of being disruptive, a history of being poorly behaved, a history of not achieving well academically. Um, because by providing good news to those parents, I'll talk about bad news in a moment, but when you're providing good news to those parents, however small, it often comes as a very pleasant surprise, which can change the whole dynamic of how that student then views school. And I've seen this many times. A great example I can think of was a student I taught in the UK many years ago who was really, you know, had a reputation for being just um, just a ruffian, basically. Just a, a kid who would come to school, was aggressive, get into fights, uh, wouldn't focus in lessons, didn't want to be there, you know, already had plans to, to do an apprenticeship when he left school, so wasn't really interested in getting good grades, um, you know, came from a rough area. Um, and uh, I remember he, he was in my lesson, in my science class. He, he was, in my lessons, I connected with him quite well. Um, I think part of that is because I, I also come from a working class area and I I, I kind of had a lot of shared experiences with the students I taught at that time, and, and that can help sometimes as well. But, I, you know, I deployed all of the, the strategies I, um, I mentioned in my book. And, uh, you know, he, he, was, he wasn't really that focused, but he was, he was okay. You know, he didn't play up that much in my lessons, at least in those early days. Um, and later on as well, he was, he was really good. Um, but anyway, in those early days, um, he did a little bit of good work in my lesson. Nothing particularly impressive, but he, he submitted some written work that was at least accurate and somewhat detailed. And he'd, he'd focused for about five minutes of the lesson. He'd, he'd produced some kind of, um, decent output. So I phoned his mum. Now, this mother was used to getting phone calls from the school, but not for the right reasons. She was used to getting phone calls saying, you know, you, you know your, your son's been in a fight today. He's been suspended. Uh, he did this today. Please come to school to discuss your son's behavior. So she was used to being contacted by the school. And I, I'll always remember phoning her. And I said, I just wanted to tell you that your son has done some great work in science class today. And I'm really pleased with him. <laughs> I, I just remember her, her kind of shock on the phone. And I could, her, how can I put it? Her surprise was really palpable. It was like, oh, 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 really? Oh, that's great. Thank you for telling me. And it was, I, I could just tell she was not used to hearing this kind of thing from school. And I'll always remember after that phone call, that student 
felt such a sense of empowerment. I could sense it in him. And he came to my classes and he was really focused and he liked me because I'd done that. Uh, but not only that, it's not just that he liked me. He respected me because I'd, I'd gone to the effort of not only recognizing at least something valuable and recognizing that he had potential. Because, do you know, oftentimes, unfortunately, there are students that get stuck into cycles of behavior. They get stuck into, stuck in a rut, as we say in British English. They, they get stuck into cycles of negative behavior. Uh, uh, you know, and one thing feeds the other, particularly in isolation rooms. You get these students who they perform badly academically. That means they can't keep up in the lesson. They, they, they get bored. They get disruptive. They get sent to an isolation room, which makes them fall behind further. Then they come back to class and the cycle starts again. And this happens for a lot of students. And it's important that we can break that cycle as teachers. And I have found that one way that we can, we can attempt to do that and does often work is when we directly send that praise home to the parents. A quick five minute phone call can change everything. And with that particular student, it did, at least in my lessons. Now, he, he was still being disruptive in other, other teachers' lessons, I have to say. But in my classes, he was focused, he listened, he respected me. He, he still wasn't perfect. You know, he wasn't a little angel, I have to say. You know, and he, there was a little bit of disruption from time to time, but he was certainly much more attentive in my lessons than he was being in other teachers' lessons. And that was because he had a new, um, a newfound respect for me, but also he wanted to impress me because he, he, wanted, he wanted me to see his potential. He knew that I saw his potential anyway, but he wanted that to be reinforced. He just wanted someone to acknowledge that he was a person of value. And he wasn't a person of value because he was tough or he was hard or because he you know, could beat up someone or because he um, had the biggest muscles or he spoke the, the best lingo or uh, you know, he um, could, you know, or because he um, you know, did something negative. But he was getting praised because he was doing something positive for a change and, and most students do lap up that that praise, believe it or not, uh, when it's delivered effectively. Okay, strategy four, play games. People who've been following me for some time will know that I'm a big advocate for the use of learning games in teaching. They break up lessons into chunks, appeal to the multisensory needs of your learners and stop your kids getting bored. What could be better than that? But which games should you use to get to know your students? There are a number of learning games you can play at this very useful blog post of mine here. So, of course, I'm reading from the blog post here. So that's linked. Um, I'll put all the links in the episode description, everybody. And all of those games can be adapted to a getting to know you lesson. But my favorite for this specific um, purpose are given below. So number one is splat. I'll just describe splat to you verbally, everybody. But if you go to the blog post, 
there are actually illustrated step-by-step instructions on there which have been beautifully drawn by my former student who's now my illustrator for my blog. Um, Her name is Pop, so um, the link to that blog post is in the episode description. Um, But basically, splat is very simple. You write down some keywords on the whiteboard or you might project them onto the screen or maybe they're on your smart board. And you call students up to the board one at a time. Um, Two students play. So you have one student on the left of the whiteboard or the screen, one person on the right of the whiteboard and the screen. And there's keywords on the, on, the, um, on the whiteboard or the screen. And you give a clue. You give a clue for that word. So let's say that the words on the screen, I'll choose something simple like dog, cat, giraffe, zebra. Uh, maybe you've got 10 different animals on the screen. And um, the clue is, uh, this is an animal that likes to sleep a lot and goes meow, meow, and has whiskers. <laughs> Okay, and um, I should have been a primary school teacher, shouldn't I? Uh, And then you say one, two, three, and the students have to splat the word. Now, what do I mean by that? They have to use their hand and they have to point to that word or they have to tap that word with their hand. It gets very competitive. It's a lot of fun. The student who taps the word first is the winner. That student stays, the losing student goes back and sits down, and the winning student chooses a student to come up and play. Or, depending on your classroom dynamic, um, you as the teacher might want to choose the next student to play. Because what you'll find is with this, particularly with older students, sometimes if you've got very, very weak students in the class, the winning student will choose someone who's very weak to um, play them and if you've got sometimes little cliques can form little social cliques can form in classrooms and uh, you know you'll get it you'll get a streak of winning students and they'll always choose the weak student to play them and it can be a little bit embarrassing so just just watch out for that but most of the time that doesn't happen I have to say it's a very good game um, and you can also actually see a video of me actually playing Splat with my students in China when I was in China um, at my blog post, um, which is in this episode description. I'll also put the YouTube video in the episode description as well if you want to see that. Um, number two is Mystery Word. This is a really nice game, this one. Sometimes this game is called Articulate as well. Very easy. Um, you, you write um, some, some key words on little pieces of paper. You put those little pieces of paper in a hat or a beaker or a cup or some kind of container. And you choose students at random. They come up, they pick a word out of the container. And they have to give the class a clue, but they cannot say that word. So let's say, for example, the key word the students picked out is dog. And the clue the student has to give to the class, they choose the clue. So they might say, uh, this is an animal that barks. (laughs) And then the students put up their hand. Or that's at least how it should work. You're going to find that some students shout out and they get excited. Um, And uh, the student chooses a student to answer. And uh, 
And then that student then comes up and picks a word and it and the cycle continues. So again, there's there's instructions on the on the blog post about that. The third game I really like, and this is this is particularly good for getting to know your new students, is a game called Who Am I? Now <laughs> this is um this is an interesting game. It's one of those traditional old school type games um, that's been around for decades. Basically, you get some post-it notes. You write a keyword on each post-it note. Get the students to sit in a circle. The students close their eyes. And then you stick the post-it note on the student's forehead. And the students open their eyes. And what should happen is... The students cannot see their own word, which is on their forehead, but they can see the other students' words. And you go around the circle one at a time, and the students have to give the other students a clue about their word. And when the student guesses their own word, they take the post-it note off their head. <laughs> so it's, it's a funny game. It's a great game. Um, issues to be aware of with this, of course, we're still going through the COVID pandemic at the moment although things are quietening down. So think about that. Just check with your school leadership team, you know, other kind of restrictions on what you can do with that. Um, what else? Uh, of course, I don't believe in physically touching students unless it's absolutely necessary. I think for this particular game, you're quite safe with that because you're just putting a post-it note on the student's forehead. If you don't feel comfortable physically touching a student by putting a post-it note on their foreheads you can give the post-it note to the student and get them to put it on their forehead but just tell them not to look at the word um and it's a very good game it works it works very very well um so um try it out um and i've ended the blog post by writing a concluding uh, concluding paragraph and here's what i've written personally I feel that it's a shame that more teachers don't make use of simple learning games such as these. They aren't costly, they're simple to do, and they provide so much fun and great deep learning for your students when applied properly. So there we go, everybody. That's the end of the blog post. Um, it's very, very important that we get to know our new students in this um, academic year that's coming up. And I'll say this as well, we never truly know what our students are going through at home. We never truly know what what is happening in the student's personal life. And school, for many students, is, is a refuge of structure, of positive reinforcement, or at least it should be, and of adults who are role models for these young people and we do have to remember that as teachers we are supposed to be role models for our students our students will naturally look up to us because we're authority figures and for that reason we have to build very good positive productive professional relationships with our students and those first few weeks are absolutely crucial for doing that um and unfortunately, there's a lot of bad practice out there with regard to building those relationships. Um, if, you're, if you're interested in 
looking at something entertaining, um, although quite shocking at the same time, um, I recommend going on Instagram and Twitter and looking up something called Libs of TikTok. So one more time, that's Libs of TikTok. It's L-I-B-S of TikTok. And what you'll find on there, um, without going into too much detail, I'll let you find out yourself, what you'll find, a lot of teachers on there who um, demonstrate very poor practice when it comes to building relationships with students and uh, without going too much into it um, and uh, these teachers you know they they uh, commit the cardinal sin of hanging out their dirty laundry for all to see they, they publish their posts on social media they publish rant videos on TikTok and Instagram um, uh, and really what it boils down to, I mean, I mean, this libs of TikTok does focus prim primarily on these, um, you know, LGBTQIA plus identifying teachers and has a kind of focus on um, how many of these teachers are are overly advertising their lifestyle, I guess, to very young children. So it, it, there is kind of somewhat of a focus on that but actually what it what it boils down to at the basic level is teachers not being professional in building productive relationships with their students and also um, instigating what we used to call in the olden days professional distance because there does need to be distance between you and your students but at the same time almost paradoxically there needs to be a closeness as well and the way you achieve that is of course by focusing on the academics focusing on the progress and attainment of your students focusing on the students lives and getting to know them getting to know who they are and just reinforcing the positive praise striking up conversations with them but of course you know not going too far not getting too close um not um overstepping the line and and some teachers do have a problem with that and some some teachers do um make little mistakes with this you do have to be a little bit careful but most of the time it's not an issue to, to even, um, you know, it's not an issue that's going to come up most of the time because, you know, the majority of teachers are very professional, I think. And I think most teachers understand that you have to have a good working relationship with your students, but not ne not get too close. Your students are not your friends, for example. Um, however, you can have friendly, productive, happy professional relationships with your students so that's it for today everybody i do hope that this episode has been useful um, if you would like to contact me please do so i am very very happy to receive emails my email address is info at richardjamesrogers.com one more time that's info at richardjamesrogers.com if you have any topic requests, please send those to me. I am going to be um, doing some more interviews in professional studios soon. So look out for those coming up. I'm hoping to do um, an interview with someone about um, teachers' fashion. 
and what teachers should actually be wearing in the classroom. Uh, so that's going to be very contentious, very controversial. Uh, it's a very, very touchy subject with teachers. You know, how should a teacher dress um, professionally? Um, you know, how should a teacher present themselves in front of their students? Uh, that's that's a, a big topic, I think. Uh, very, very... Uh, very juicy topic to get into so i'm looking forward to that and i'm hopefully going to be talking with someone about um how how to prepare students for the world of business and what schools should actually be teaching students and the kind of skills they should be embedding um, please do follow me on social media links to my twitter my instagram my facebook my linkedin are all in this episode description um, and you can also contact me there as well so thank you everybody um, all the best if you're on summer vacation enjoy the rest of the vacation if you're not on summer vacation then um, I all I can say is um, I hope your next vacation you have is is a relaxing one we deserve our breaks as teachers um, and until next time all the best, best wishes from me here in Bangkok, Thailand. And um, until next time, bye-bye for now.